On this episode of Go Chuck Yourself, we're talking about Season 5, Episode 8, Chuck versus the Baby. That's right. Screw you, baby. No one has time for your homophobic comments and your, your ignorant garbage. Oh, God. Oh, wait a second. It's a real baby? Oh, my God. I didn't realize. No, no. Please stop crying. Please stop crying. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry, baby. to go chuck yourself uh this is a uh a space for babies i guess for actual babies don't don't play this for your baby i don't we don't there's not enough evidence about the long-term side effects of go chuck yourself exposure on babies anyhow my name is chris gillespie thank you for listening my name is Erin arata um yeah i'm just imagining um an expectant parent uh, putting on headphones over their belly, um, <laughs> just blasting uh, Go Check Yourself into the birth canal. Well, I think our babies that are born now are probably not part of Gen Z, right? They're probably a subsequent generation that has been unnamed. Yeah, they're going to so. be like gen sigma or something well maybe they could be named the go chuck yourself generation <laughs> ah yes good idea <laughs> generation gcy <laughs> well i was actually thinking um we of course had a lot to say about chuck versus the push mix mm-hmm. and i don't know if we said it at the time but it would be kind of interesting if while giving birth someone were to put on an episode of go chuck yourself and what i have to ask you is which episode of Go Check Yourself do you think would be the best to um, bring the miracle of life into this world while listening to? Uh, well, I think we have a different, a couple of different options. I think like if it's a woman who's in labor for a prolonged period of time, may I suggest our episode from last week, or I guess two weeks ago, <laughs> epi- two weeks ago uh, which uh was is only about like an hour an hour and seven minutes long which was cut down from the uh rather sizable hour and 20 minutes of what it originally yeah, was that's uh, that's why we had to take a break for a week because that episode was so long we were both just sleeping that whole time it was it was quite the delivery once we gave birth to that one we were like just you know ready to pass out for a bit I think Chuck versus the star might be like kind of appropriate because it is about like a whole birth process or not Chuck versus the star. Us, Aaron, <laughs> Aaron and Chris versus the star. I'm sorry. OK, I was like, what is Chuck versus the star? I do not recall that that's, one at all. That's just an episode I watched by myself. It's I was a fan made <laughs> I was like, get like Chuck versus a guest star. What's happening? You know what? I think maybe maybe I don't know. Maybe the best episode would be to, uh, you know, maybe like the one of the bonus feature episodes of one of the real mid-season things just get the baby really (laughs) confused really disoriented um before we get into talking about chuck versus the baby i do uh (laughs) well i have uh some baby related news which i have not told aaron prior to getting on air uh because i figured it would be uh make for a a more memorable recording experience if we were to do it live on air so i'm very nervous um yeah i uh don't really know how to phrase this um well i aaron knows that you know my my current situation i've you know been uh 
meeting different people and uh i guess the best way that i could say this would be with all the tender innocence and sweetness of a real newborn monkey coco is a 16 inch so truly real masterpiece of realism (laughs) you can cradle in your arms thanks to the award-winning artistry of linda murray that's right this is this season's coco ad spot uh uh, Aaron seems like she maybe may have been legitimately concerned at the start of this bit, uh, but we'll get to her in a moment. I got to finish this ad read for Coco. Uh, once again, we do this every season here on Go Chuck Yourself. Uh, Coco, I guess, should actually be out for this right now. Yeah, I was thinking you should be cradling her in your arms as you talk about right, her being my, cradleable. My actual Coco. So I'll hold her. I don't know if I've ever done the ad read with actually holding <laughs> Coco. Absolutely, you have not. No. Okay. So. <laughs> well, take a picture because this is. This is what Go Chuck Yourself is all about, folks. Uh, Coco's little head, arms, and legs are crafted of real touch that is trademarked vinyl to recreate every lifelike detail from her cute, serene expression to her wrinkled little toes. Oh, there they are. I can just eat those little toes up. Please don't uh, put them in your mouth. <laughs> At least not while I'm watching. Might be a joking hazard. Uh, she also has a weighted cloth body that she does uh, that's perfect for posing and cuddling. Little wisps of hair applied by hand add to the incredible realism. Oh, God, she's so creepy. (laughs) As do those trusting eyes that look so lovingly into yours. I feel like I have this memorized at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, join in on this last part then. You won't be able to resist picking her up and offering her the pacifier. Yours included free. Aaron, the cocoa you gave me didn't didn't come with a pacifier. I forgot that part. Oh, I'm sorry. She arrives in a pink tea and terry cloth diaper adorned okay, with she's got that. tiny pink diaper pins, uh, which is. Yeah, yeah, I see them. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I, I don't think they're tiny. I think they're pretty big. They're actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> simply adorable. And go chuck yourself, listeners. This is the best part. We have a remarkable value for a limited time only. Coco can be yours for just one hundred and nineteen ninety nine, uh, or payable in four installments of twenty nine ninety nine. Your satisfaction is guaranteed for one full year. So order now. This is of course from the good people at Ashton Drake. They've been big supporters of Go Chuck Yourself since the beginning. They got in on the ground floor, and by that I mean we literally found this ad on the ground <laughs> in New York City and have cherished it ever since. Uh, so make sure you head over to ashtondrake.com slash coco to order your own Coco with doll today. And before I'm almost done with this, but I will say, cause Aaron, you're probably wondering like, well, why Ashton Drake? Like why, what makes Ashton Drake special? You know, uh-huh. mm-hmm. I am wondering that I would like to explain the Ashton Drake difference and what makes up the Ashton Drake difference is that Ashton Drake's dolls, they have the real touch vinyl skin. So they feel the most lifelike out of any kind of doll. Okay. They also have the hand applied hair. For added mm-hmm. realism, these are people yeah. um, potentially in the United States who are supporting jobs in America of uh, hardworking Americans applying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fake hair to baby monkey dolls. Yep. Okay. There's the weighted cloth body. It feels incredibly real in your arms. You've never actually held Coco before. No, I haven't. I got to get on that. Yeah. So next time you're uh, visiting, you can hold Coco and you'll feel that difference. And then, as always, the Ashton Drake dolls are backed by their 365 day guarantee. Ashton Drake uh, and Coco, check it out. Get your own and uh, be horrified constantly (laughs) until you decide to put yours in a file cabinet where you cannot see it during the day. Ashton Drake. 
<laughs> That's yeah, that is uh, their tagline. Um, I can I can see I can see the copy right there. Yes. Yeah, I um I thought that once I bought you a cocoa, um, which was worth every penny, um, every sizable uh penny that was required. Well, I guess it's not sizable pennies, the sizable payment to get cocoa. I don't know. It's I'm, I'm tired. It's dark out. Um, worth every penny. And I thought that maybe we would be done with the Coco ad reads because, of course, like if if only one listener of Go Chug Yourself, which is us, um, purchases a Coco, it will have all been worth it, and our job here will have been done. But Chris, now that he has Coco in his life, is kind of like evangelizing. He wants all of us to either experience the joy of having a Coco or to suffer alongside him. I'm not sure which. Um, so that was my first thought. My second thought was, yes, you are correct. At first, I thought this is obviously a bit. He is playing on the fact that this is called Truck versus the Baby. He's going to like pretend he's making a birth announcement. Um, I was like, is this going to be in poor taste? Is this going to be kind of offensive? <laughs> um, then I started to think... You know, what if what if he did? Like what if what if there has been a pregnancy somewhere along the line and he is going to make the announcement and I was waffling back and forth on like he wouldn't do that on our podcast. But also it would be really funny if he did. So maybe he will. Um and like neither one of us have ever had to announce the impending birth of a child to one another before so like <laughs> maybe this would be the way. And on that note, Chris, just kidding. No, I'm Oh. No announcements here. Okay. Wink wink. But uh we should do a like emergency episode even if the show has been off the air for 25 years. Um, <laughs> one of us needs to tell the other that we're giving birth. We're going to have to do it live on Go Chug Yourself. Or I guess it won't really be live. <laughs> I I mean that uh I mean who could say about the future of uh I guess gestational technology but if 25 <laughs> years from now you will be uh in your 50s and yeah. so i'm not saying it's not impossible but uh might be kind okay, of well, what i am making a promise right now is that if i ever have to tell you that i am bringing a child into the world i will record it and i will release it as an episode of go check yourself that's a very will weird... you join me in that promise <laughs> that's a very weird promise but okay <laughs> <laughs> all right uh on that note i think we should probably uh get into this uh this episode so really the only thing that the um previously on needs you to know and that we need you to know is that when sarah confronted shaw in prison after he had been defeated um he asked her does chuck know about the baby and i responded fuck off shaw because once he's back, he, I don't know, he's back in prison. I, he's like, he's gone. He's like, I don't know. He's not a part of my life right now. Um, and he's being a little stinker about a baby. That, that's just stupid. I don't I don't care about this. Aaron just got up and walked away from the microphone. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> All right. So the episode proper starts in Budapest five years ago. We see Sarah. Her hair is long, longer than it was in season one. Or maybe about the same. What, what are your thoughts, Chris? Uh, it's very long. Uh, definitely longer than season one. 
Okay, so it's long. Um, she's listening to a voicemail from a unidentified woman who is saying that Sarah always has a place to come home to. Another agent walks over and asks who Sarah is talking to, and Sarah says nobody. Also, I should mention that all these flashback scenes, um, like the movies that I used to make with my friends on Windows Movie Maker, are filmed in black and white. So we watch Sarah sneak into some sort of very fancy house in which a poker game is taking place. She calls back to the other agent, who we find out is named Riker, to tell him what she sees, which is 11 burly men playing cards together. Sarah hesitates, um, but Riker encourages her to act, telling her that the guys would shoot her if given the chance. So in a very Matrix-like scene with techno music playing, Sarah just kind of wrecks everybody in the room. She kills him, she throws knives, shoots guns. It's, it's all fun. Overcomes, Riker directs Sarah to something he refers to as the package. But once Sarah goes into the other room, she discovers that the package is actually a baby. A baby, baby. What? As Sarah's handler, Riker demands that she acquire the package and bring it to him. Back in present-day Burbank, Sarah is on the castle computer, and she finds a message from Shaw to Riker stating that the baby, or the package, or whatever, I don't remember exactly what it said, but the baby is alive. She's forced to rapidly switch tabs when Chuck enters and announces he has a big surprise for her. I feel like Chuck has big surprises for Sarah, like, every day. Living with him has to be exhausting. <laughs> So in the next scene, Chuck has his hands over Sarah's eyes and they so we learn that they are at the dream house um, that showed up at the beginning of the season, um, which presumably required a bit of driving. So what I was kind of wondering is, did Chuck like have one hand over Sarah's eyes the entire time he was driving? Did he blindfold her? Did he only put his hands over his eye over her eyes when they were walking into the house? And if so, how did Sarah not know that they were at the house? This just seems like a lot of uh, confusing things. Um, but it is not my only confusion regarding what is going on with them visiting this house. Chuck has taken Sarah to their dream house, which is apparently still on the market, which is fine because it's 2011. And as we've established, the housing market isn't great at this time in L.A. The realtor is apparently so desperate that she's just agreed to let them stay there over the weekend to try it out, even though, um, as Sarah says, they don't have enough money to buy it and haven't made any promises that they will be doing so. But, uh... I guess you're just allowed to test drive homes in the truck universe. And apparently one of the things you can do while test driving said homes is just leave lit candles on the floor. Go get your girlfriend as a or I guess wife um, and bring her back to surprise her. Sarah points out that they still can't afford the house, but Chuck thinks they can based on Beckman's offer to rejoin the CIA or as I wrote in my notes, the cafe, which would be quite a different show, I have to say. Sarah doesn't know what to say, and Chuck just tells her to think about it. Chuck continues by kind of broaching the family discussion, which is not something that we've seen Chuck and Sarah talk about up to this point, but Chuck just goes in headfirst by pointing out how the doorframe would be great for uh, measuring their future children. Sarah, understandably, is a little uncomfortable by this. She says she wants the life that Chuck is imagining, but something urgent has come up. And, like, we know that she's just, like, nervous about the whole baby situation, but honestly, if she wanted to, like, bolt right now, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't really be that surprised. She just ghosts her husband? Yeah, ghosts her husband, because he's being weird. <laughs> Chuck tells Sarah that she can tell him anything, but she says, not this time. 
We flash back to the black and white. Sarah picks up the baby um, from the crib and tells uh, it slash her that everything is going to be okay. She puts the baby in a harness over her chest. Is that is that a baby Bjorn? What is that called? I think so, right? Okay, yeah, I think it's a baby Bjorn. She has, like, double machine guns in either hand. She's got a baby. She's going down the stairs. And it's, like, a moment of, like, women can have it all. But I was like, where did she get the baby Bjorn? She didn't know that she was going to be picking up a baby today. I mean, it's right. It was probably in the room with the baby. Oh, God. Maybe the baby was just in the Bjorn underneath the blankets, and then you take off the blankets. I don't know. How do you how do you store a baby? I think in a file cabinet, right? <laughs> yeah, well... Based on uh, what I've seen my my close friend Chris do, yes, that is correct. Back in the present, Chuck kind of tries to encourage Sarah to tell him what's going on by bringing up the fact that they had promised each other no more secrets. He also calls Casey and Morgan down to Castle, ostensibly to kind of help uh, Sarah in her time of need, but mostly just to figure out what's going on. Despite Chuck's best efforts, Sarah is packing up a bunch of guns to head off to wherever she's going, presumably hungry. Right as she's about to leave, Chuck offers her Carmichael Industries services with the added benefit of him not asking her any questions. And with that, Sarah agrees and allows Casey and Chuck to help her. She explains to the team that they're going after Kieran Riker, not Will Riker. Will Riker is a Star Trek character. I'm sure there's no relation. It's not inspired. Don't worry about it. This is a different Riker. Morgan is going to man the comms and castle while Chuck and Casey come with Sarah to Budapest. She's going to pretend to be Shaw on the computer and send another message to Riker about the baby. After Sarah explains all this, Casey expresses his doubt that Chuck will be able to keep his end of the deal by not asking any questions about it. And it turns out he can. As soon as they're alone, Chuck asks Morgan's help figuring out whatever Sarah's secret is. Morgan, surprisingly, is actually the voice of reason here and is like, Sarah's usually right, just trust her. But Chuck just wants to be prepared for whatever is coming. The conversation takes a turn when Morgan expresses disappointment that he'll have to cancel his game night with Ellie, Awesome, and Alex. And it takes an even weirder turn when Chuck suggests that they just have it in Castle. (laughs) That's fine, right? Back down in Castle presently, Casey asks Sarah what's going on. She won't tell him either, and he's a little hurt. We're then treated to another flashback uh, involving Riker drinking out of a very tiny cup. It's very small. Um, At a Hungarian cafe, Sarah shows up with the baby in a little carriage. She asks to know what'll happen to the baby, and Riker won't tell her, which is a little bit sus. Um... She brings up to Riker that she knows the mission wasn't sanctioned. He says that the baby is the key to the fortune of the family of the mansion that Sarah killed all those men in. Sarah confronts Riker with the fact that she knows the mission wasn't sanctioned, and Riker explains that the CIA doesn't pay very well, so he's planning to um, use the baby, who is apparently the heiress to a huge fortune, um, and kill her so that he can get the fortune himself. It's a very uh, Count Olaf kind of plan. He pulls a gun on Sarah, but she also pulls a gun right out of the carriage. It turns out that it was just a walkie-talkie playing baby noises, and she has a gun in there. She doesn't have a baby. She shoots him, not not to kill. He just kind of falls down and escapes, and we find out that she, once again, here in Hungary, has a hotel and or apartment, and the baby is in there. In the next scene, the baby is crying just kind of relentlessly, and like many a new parent, 
Sarah doesn't know what to do. We flash forward to Chuck asking for more info on Riker as Sarah sets up a sniper rifle in a very similar but definitely not the same hotel. Or maybe maybe it is the same hotel. Maybe Sarah's just like very consistent and remembers where she booked. I don't know. Maybe she had a pleasant experience there. Um, when Sarah refuses to give Chuck any further information, he finally cracks and kind of begs her to tell him what's going on. But Sarah says that many people's lives, including his, are in danger. Chuck asks what she's going to do when she sees Riker, and she says, I'm going to kill him, Chuck. I'm going to kill him. Also, in this in this scene, she has another great coat. The first one was black. This one is more like tan. Mm-hmm. Um, she's She's looking great. Now that they're alone in the room, Casey admits that he did some digging and learned that Riker's file was rejected, which is bad news, and uh, some serious shit went down between Sarah and Riker. They just don't know what it is. Down at the cafe, a waiter brings Sarah some coffee. She lifts it up, and there's a note on a napkin telling her to get on the next bus alone. Sarah gives Chuck and Casey a bogus directive, then just bounces. As the bus pulls away, Chuck runs after her, but she is able to talk to him through the glass and over the noise of the bus (laughs) and tell him that she's got to do this alone. (laughs) We cut back to Castle, where everyone is playing the game of life. This is the game of life. You can see all of it. You can see all the cards and all the board and all of the things. It's it's the game of life. Um, This... This episode of Chuck brought to you by the Game of Life. It's honestly like aggressive product placement, um, but kind of made me nostalgic for when I used to play that. Um, Morgan takes the opportunity of playing the Game of Life to make leading metaphors about himself and Alex and their potential future children, even though um, they are not together. And Alex is very uncomfortable with this. Also, Ellie and Devin are there and they seem even more uncomfortable. In fact, uh, when they start talking to each other, it seems like they maybe hate game night, and I don't know why they're there or why they agreed to this if they hate it so much. Well, it's not so much that they... I don't know if they hate game night necessarily so much as they are just really incredibly thirsty for one another (laughs) uh, because they make a pact to get through the game as soon as possible so they could go screw somewhere in castle. (laughs) It's basically like Chuck was like, Oh, Ellie and awesome. We're going to are really interested in seeing castle. They like won't stop talking since of the spy mission they went on a few weeks ago. But really what that means is like once they got a taste of the spy role playing, like in the bedroom, (laughs) they're like, they need more. And they're like, we won't be satisfied until we are in castle getting to do the real thing. So, uh, so last episode was uh, me being thirsty, uh-huh. but this whole season is really Ellie and Devin being just extremely thirsty it's, yeah, for one another. It's like the writers of the show were like, look, we have these two great looking actors. Maybe this last <laughs> season we should just really like <laughs> let them just be uh, as on top of each other as possible. So the Woodcombs are successful in ending the game early because Ellie spins a 10 and that lets her win the game. So they both shout, we win at life, which I thought was funny because they're both doctors and they're both beautiful and they're both (laughs) wonderful people. They did win at life. Uh, So to celebrate, they run off into the, uh, the depths of castle to fornicate like rabbits, leaving Morgan and Alex alone at the table. Morgan tries to gauge Alex's feelings for him and she explains that there's no quick fix between them. And that things are going to take some time back in Hungary, um, which not really sure how this works out. But Hungary is nine hours ahead of Los Angeles time. 
And it's clearly the day in Hungary, but it was game night in Los Angeles. So how? It was just, it was just game 2 p.m. Game that's, afternoon. That still wouldn't really work because then it would be 11 p.m. I don't know. Yeah. It wouldn't a, be. It wouldn't be that because I was thinking about it and it wouldn't be that crazy, I guess, like, but it would mean that what's going on in Hungary needs to be happening very early in the morning, like 7 a.m., which is plausible because they're like, it's plausible. They're going to talk crazy. Yeah. yeah. So but then it would be a really a late night for the people in Los Angeles. And like, I don't know how late Ellie and Devin should be out if they're new parents, but it doesn't matter. Uh, Do you think Clara is with uh, Devin's parents at this time? Uh Possibly. No, I think it's with a different babysitter. I, okay. Uh, but, oh, yeah, they do mention the babysitter, and they're paying them. Presumably, yeah. they don't pay um, Devin's parents. It would they, be nice if they did, considering how often they dump Clara on them. But, it's true. Yeah. So, in Hungary, Chuck and Casey catch the uh, the waiter uh, who delivered the mysterious note to Sarah and quickly realize that he only speaks Hungarian. After finding a Hungarian phrase book for tourists, Casey tries to communicate with the waiter but fails. Chuck finds a woman in a nearby uh, deli to translate for them. According to her, the waiter was paid money to serve a note with coffee to whoever sat at the table and nothing more. Casey doesn't believe this and holds his gun to the waiter's face and asks, where's Riker? Turns out Riker is in the same Hungarian mansion that Sarah visited five (laughs) years ago. What are the odds? Sarah sneaks up on him, but then immediately starts to hear a baby's cries from the other room. She asks what that is and then has a flashback to trying to calm down the baby five years ago. Not knowing what to do, young Sarah calls her mom. What? She calls her mom that she's on a mission and she tells her no, she tells her mom that she's on a mission with a baby and doesn't know how to get the baby to stop crying, <laughs> which as I'm reading this now, sounds kind of like the description of the first few seasons of Chuck. <laughs> I, yeah, that's, I like I like your joke better. I was thinking it kind of sounds like the plot of the film My Spy, starring Dave Bautista, I, um, when yeah. he's just got a little girl. I like that joke as well. Thank you. Good, good comedy in this episode, everyone. <laughs> Pat ourselves on the back. Sarah's mom suggests rocking the baby to calm her down, but that doesn't work for Sarah. So she's so Sarah's mom suggests that Sarah sing a lullaby to the baby. And Sarah and her mom sing it together, like over the phone, because it's the one that her mom used to sing to her when she was little. Uh, it's very unsettling. And I wanted to write <laughs> yeah. it down. But in the interest of time, I did not do that. But I was like, this is a particularly creepy lullaby. <laughs> I was wondering if it was a real lullaby. I didn't look it up. Um, I wonder if it was what Josh Schwartz or Chris Fedek's parent used to sing to either of them. Did you notice what uh, Sarah's mom says to her? When she's trying to um, encourage her to not be so anxious about the baby. Oh, she said, don't freak out? Yeah, wow. don't freak out! It's everywhere, I didn't notice that. It's everywhere, yep. So, maybe all lullabies are just kind of creepy, maybe, not positive, but... I mean, that's absolutely true, but it's weird hearing one that you've never heard before. Also, well, I mean, I guess, I guess the baby is a baby and isn't speaking yet, but like... I feel like Sarah could have like done a Hungarian lullaby. Oh, true. Would have been would have been nice. Would have been nice, Sarah, if you just were able to <laughs> maybe be a little bit of you know have a Hungarian lullaby on deck. Something yeah. they, they teach you, you in spy school. Uh, so yeah, this is pretty crazy. After not seeing or knowing anything about Sarah's mother this whole time, uh, we just kind of witness a very intimate moment between the two of them. They do. Um, her mother is. Uh, Cheryl Ladd, who is one of the Charlie's Angels. I don't think that you 
said that. Um, I did not say that. Every truck parent is an established sort of nerdy, um, nerd adjacent actor or actress <laughs> from the 80s. So Sarah's mom is no exception. It is Cheryl Ladd. She looks good. And she seems appropriately aged to be uh, mm-hmm. Sarah's mom. Yep. So, all right, continue. So back in the present, Sarah leads Riker into the room where the cries are originating from, which also is the room where the baby was five years ago. Of course, it's not the same baby because that's not how time works. In fact, it's not a real baby at all. Riker pulled Sarah's old fake baby trick with a tape recorder just long enough to distract Sarah, allowing one of his men to repel from the ceiling and knock her out. We cut to a commercial break and we return. Riker smacks Sarah awake. I mean, Sarah's really taking a beating this season. That's literally my note says Sarah has really taken a beating this season. So thank you. Yeah, I didn't even have to say it. Did Yvonne like piss off the writers or somehow? Or why are they just like, you know what? So this last season of Chuck, Ellie and Devin are going to be getting it on all the time. And we're just going <laughs> to kick the shit out of Sarah. It's kind of kind of sad when you put it like that. But maybe uh, maybe she just wanted more action scenes. Riker goes on to explain that he knew that Shaw was already back in prison. So he didn't fall for Sarah's little stunt. Sarah asks what Riker even wants with her, and he proceeds to ramble about how he requested to be Sarah's handler back in the day, specifically because she seemed like a loner who would do anything and never tell a secret because or like never like divulge on a secret because she has no one in her life that she can trust. He then explains that he's going to kill Sarah unless she tells him what she did with the baby all those years ago. Sarah is satisfied that Riker doesn't know and will never find out. If he kills her, just then one of Riker's men enters and announces that there's a disturbance in the foyer. Uh, Riker and his team run out to find the waiter from before bound and gagged. Riker removes the duct tape from the waiter's mouth and the waiter cries, they made me talk in English. So what happens next is that Chuck and Casey run in and rescue Sarah. However, what I'd like to focus on is what happens to the waiter. Okay, yes. (laughs) Riker is frustrated with the waiter, so he pushes him backwards down like the grand staircase. Yep. We hear the Wilhelm scream, which is always jarring, but extra ridiculous in this case. It's just very bizarre. Riker's men look at him in horror. So I think we're led to believe that Riker just murdered this guy. But then we immediately cut to a shot of the staircase and the waiter's body is nowhere to be seen. If the waiter fell down the the way that Riker pushed him, he probably <laughs> also wouldn't have died. Well, he was... He was bound, so he wouldn't have been able to catch his fall, so he probably would have kept going. He would have just hit his head and slid down? That's that's kind of what I was imagining. But, um, yeah, if he disappears, maybe there was a trap door in the stairs. Maybe Riker pushed him so hard he went into an alternate dimension, (laughs) and that's why everybody's so scared. Like, Doctor Strange, he just, like, pushed him right into Yeah, maybe that's what happened. I was theorizing that maybe, like, Riker has the ability to vaporize people, so, like, (laughs) he pushed him, and then he got vaporized, and when the vaporization happens, the Wilhelm scream occurs. So... We'll see how these theories play out for the rest of the episode. Yeah, because, well, um, presumably Riker and his team will be villains for the rest of the season. So we'll be able to uh, see how all that plays out. Right. Back in Castle, Ellie and Devin are doing some pretty dramatic role playing using gear that they have found laying around Castle. Things seem to be getting pretty hot and heavy when Ellie gets her earring stuck in Devin's tactical vest and ruins the moment. They hear Alex say, no, Morgan, stop, and appropriately decide to check that out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Devin and Ellie peek out from their interrogation room and see Alex packing up the board game while Morgan tries to get her to stay. 
Alex explains that she doesn't know how to trust Morgan again after he broke up with her over text message. It's very sad and very tense. Witnessing this, Ellie and Devin realize what they must do. They need to take Morgan and Alex aside and have sex with them. Oh, God. <laughs> what ensues is the most graphic orgy I've ever seen on network television. <laughs> I was really questioning how they could get away with this. But then amidst all the moans, Ellie shouts, we can do this because no one is watching because it's the Friday night death slot. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was shocking, but um, I do admire the courage um, it took for all of them to just get fully nude and fuck one another right on screen. <laughs> just kidding. Chuck is a family show sometimes. What really happens is that Devin and Ellie pull Alex and Morgan aside respectively and both recount the time that they themselves broke up when they first started dating. Turns out Devin was a little arrogant back in the day and Ellie did not appreciate it. Devin tried hard to win her back and did a bunch of things. But none of them worked. That is until Ellie overheard Devin talking to his mom on the phone in private and realized that he was truly a sweet guy underneath it all. We learned from Devin's conversation with Alex that he thought he won uh, Ellie back by getting her lilies. Both Ellie and Devin tell uh, Morgan and Alex that if they truly love each other, they will be able to get through this rough patch. The next morning, Sarah wakes up in her and Chuck's bedroom with Chuck like standing over her, watching her, I guess, kind yeah. of. Well, he's probably nervous because... We don't see how she gets home, but she was passed out, and I don't think anyone took her to the hospital. They, did they just take her on the plane while she was unconscious? I guess so. Okay. And does Carmichael Industries have their own plane at this point? Because before they were always jetting off in the, with the CIA, but now they. I mean, that's don't. a good point. Yeah, I'm not really sure how they got to Hungary and back. We don't really uh, see that. Once again, the mystery of air travel in this television show <laughs> continues. Sarah seems to be doing okay, so Chuck does what any good partner would do in this situation and takes her to task. He immediately tells her that she was wrong for keeping secrets <laughs> and trying to solve things on her own. Sarah recognizes that Chuck is right and explains that she trusts Chuck but is still having a hard time breaking out of the loner mentality that her father and the CIA instilled in her. We flash back to Hungary five years ago when Sarah receives a phone call from our old friend Tony Todd as... <gasps> CIA's old CIA director, Graham. Graham, he's back. He's back. It's not all sunshine and rainbows, though. Graham wants to know what Sarah did with the baby. She explains that she doesn't have the baby, but if she did, what would the CIA do with her? Graham basically says that the baby would never be safe with the CIA, which is really pretty <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, like, it's <laughs> he's like, the CIA is so corrupt, like, we'll never be able to take care of this baby. <laughs> Someone's definitely going to kill it and take the baby's fortune, which... There seems to be, I don't really understand the legality of all this, but it seems, everyone seems to think that it's very easy to get this baby's money. <laughs> They're just going to be like, I'm, yeah, very much like Count Olaf, I guess is exactly yeah. what it is. Uh, he, so <laughs> Graham, I guess, is also sort of Count Olaf, which, you know, Count Olaf is a master of disguise, so he could very much be Riker and Tony Todd, who knows? That's true, we gotta trick his ankle. So, um... Sarah does what you any person would do in the situation where you suddenly become in possession of a baby that you don't want. Uh, you drop it off at your mom's house. <laughs> and, hey, mom, you know, when you raise me, now you get to do it again. <laughs> well, she didn't really raise Sarah, as we learn. No. Uh, Sarah's mom invites Sarah to stay with her and the baby. But Sarah says that she'll never be safe if she does. And it explains that since she and uh, her father changed their names so many times growing up, the CIA doesn't even know who Sarah's biological mother is. 
Sarah's mom laments the fact that Sarah had such an unstable childhood because of her father and says that she wishes Sarah could just lead a normal life. Sarah doesn't respond to this, but offers her mother some last minute advice about the baby's various preferences. As Sarah starts to walk away, Sarah asks her mom to give the baby the normal, idyllic life that she herself was never afforded. And her mother promises to do just that. It's very emotional. Like, yeah. Yvonne is doing great for, like, this very um, spare plot that really is coming out of nowhere. Yvonne really sells it. Um, I think she's carrying this episode on her back. We'll get into that later. Um, but yeah, so we move forward to the present where Chuck is now up to speed. There's a pretty nice moment where Sarah thanks Chuck for trusting her and everything seems like it's going okay, kind of good. Um, but then Chuck hears uh, some feedback from Sarah's hair and holds his cell phone um, around her head, which is apparently a way that you can identify a bug. Probably something he learned um either from the CIA or at the Spymore or spy store in the Bymore Plaza, which should be called Spymore, actually. I don't know if we've talked about that, but <laughs> that's brilliant. Well, we have yeah. to redo the entire series now. All right. Well, we needed something to do since we're close, <laughs> so close to the end. So Sarah has a bug on her. And in fact, when she explained to Chuck where the baby was, Riker was listening. And now he knows where the baby is, too. Oh, no. Something else that's bad is that when Sarah calls her mom to tell her what's going on, her mom doesn't pick up the phone. We do learn that the baby is now a big girl, or I guess like a, a five-year-old girl. She has maintained the rattle that Sarah gave her when she was um, an actual baby. It's sitting on her vanity bureau nightstand, whatever. Um, and apparently uh, Sarah has programmed it to display coordinates when in a situation of danger. So the little girl calls her mom to tell her that uh, random numbers are coming up on her rattle that she has kept for five years. Two things here. Okay. Yeah. I, I did not realize that that was a rattle. I thought it was some kind of giant metal ring that Sarah had. I think it was a rattle. <laughs> I mean, that makes more sense. I thought it was like a weird Hungarian rattle that like rich <laughs> Hungarian children were given. Oh, here you go. You heard it here first. Aaron thinks rattles from Hung Hungary are weird. I almost said Only Hungary. For rich people. Um, the second thing that I would like to point out: thank God that Sarah's mom lives within driving distance of Burbank. Okay, yeah, we. Uh, <laughs> that's that's gonna come up later. I'm looking up old-fashioned metal rattle. <laughs> yeah, there's one that kind of looks like that. Okay, huh? Vintage metal rattle. It's just uh, probably what Josh Schwartz and Chris Fedek has a, had as kids, and they're just like, yeah, we all had that. Ooh, burn. Josh and uh, Chris, Aaron's calling you old. I mean, I wasn't calling them old. I was just saying they had weird toys as children. Oh, even worse. <laughs> I'm going to take things over now for a declassified scene. Ooh, before okay. Aaron says anything else more incriminating about herself. Uh, Morgan is outside in the courtyard waiting for Alex to come over, I guess, when Ellie walks in with baby Clara, once again in a baby Bjorn. Uh, Morgan explains that he has the perfect way to prove his worth and win Alex back. He suggests that he and Ellie hide baby Clara in a bush and pretend that Ellie lost her. Then when Alex arrives, Morgan can find Clara and be the hero of the day. Ellie does not like this plan at all and does not agree <laughs> to it. She tells Morgan that he missed the point of her pep talk the other night. Morgan can't manufacture a moment. It needs to be real and authentic. Just then, Morgan's phone rings and it's Chuck who we are lead to, uh, led to believe explains that they're about to have a pair of unexpected guests 
arrive at he and Sarah's apartment. Hmm. Aaron, back to you. <laughs> so I, um, I completely understand why they cut that. Um, not needed. Although I do think the uh, context of the unexpected guests might have uh, made some things a little clearer, but we'll get to that. So Riker shows up at Sarah's mom's house with a gaggle of leather-clad men. He sneaks in with his gun drawn. We see a lot of pictures on the wall, and I do want to say, like, to me, these pictures looked pretty real of um, the little girl growing up, the little girl with Sarah's mother. It looks like they either had a better Photoshop budget or, like, actually took a couple pictures here. So Riker sneaks up onto a matronly figure watching dishes, but when the figure turns around, it's actually Sarah in an apron. She pulls a gun out of the sink water, which is just something that happens in action films that really never gets old. I always think, like, is it wet? Like, can it still shoot? I don't know, but it's it's exciting to see. They fight while outside Chuck and Casey dispatch the guards. We're treated to, it's not really a sexy Sarah showdown, and it's not really like a, um, like the first season when we had like kind of creative fights, it's kind of playing with domestic tropes where they are using things in the kitchen, Mm -hmm. but it's not really that unique. They're just kind of fighting. It's a, it's a pretty standard fight. Like the choreography is fine. Um, Riker throws Sarah through a wall, which once again, she's really taking a beating this season. Um, it's, extremely brutal she gets beat down and he's like saying really mean things to her um but then in the end Riker is distracted when he hears a gunshot from outside he turns and Sarah stabs him through the heart and says she's not alone she says that Molly is going to have I the the little girl is named Molly I don't know I don't know when this was established, but I, I knew her name was Molly because that's what my notes say. So um, her name is Molly. And Sarah says that she's going to have the normal life that Sarah never could have. As Chris noted, apparently Sarah's mom was also living in Southern California and could very easily get to Burbank because we learned that the coordinates that showed up on Molly's rattle led her straight to Chuck's. We know this because Morgan and Molly are playing, I guess like either some sort of Wii racing game or maybe even like a Mario Kart. I don't know, but they, they've got like the Nintendo Aaron, wheel. It is both. It is Mario Kart Wii. Okay, thank you. Yes, Mario Kart Wii. I did not completely embarrass myself. When Sarah and Chuck show up back in Burbank, Sarah and her mom have a lovely moment where they just, um, like they haven't seen each other in, I guess, five years. They hug. It's nice. And Sarah's mom introduces Molly to her sister, Sarah. Isn't that nice? I was curious about, I was like, well, what kind of relationship does Sarah have with this, the girl? Like, is are they going to be sisters? Is it going to be like one of those situations where like the girl is raised to think that the her older sister is her older sister, but in reality, her older sister is her mom? And her mo- the person that she thinks is her mom is actually her grandmother. Because you hear about those happening sometimes. Hey, Chris, we're never going to know. Molly's never going to come back. What? Too bad. We cut to commercial, and when we come back, We Are Young by Fun is playing, which prompted me to text you, Hey! We Are Young, which would have been a brand new song brand when new this episode song. came out. <laughs> but now it is We Are Old, because it's an old song. <laughs> that that must already be a parody, right? That must have come out right after We Are Young was released. I mean, if it, I'm, I'm sure it is a parody, but also I'm kind of cribbing their uh, Grammy acceptance speech when they won Song of the Year. And they uh, 
they, they made a similar joke. Oh, okay. I stole it. I'm sorry, Nate, Jack, Andrew. I know the, the members guys, of fun. The members of fun are big fans of Go Check Yourself. They're all yeah. Um, oh my god! Don't even don't even say that. Um. So yeah. So we are young is playing, and everybody's having a really nice game night. Ellie and Devin are back in. I guess they've um had some sex behind the scenes, and they're um they're not as eager to go, so they can kind of enjoy the game of life, you know. Um, Molly and Sarah have a chance to bond, while Chuck has a chance to bond with Sarah's mom. Sarah's mom, I don't think she ever has a name. I'm really sorry to keep referring to her as Sarah's mom, but I don't know that... uh, Yeah, I was thinking that too. Um, Her name, I guess, is technically Emma? All right, I don't think that's ever said, but... uh, I don't think it's ever said either. (laughs) Emma thanks Chuck for giving Sarah friends and a normal life. Across the room, Alex directs her dad to uh, where Devin or Chuck, I don't know, whoever, whoever's house they're at, where the, where the scotch is hidden. Then she heads over to Morgan. He starts trying to have kind of a normal conversation with her, and she just grabs him and kisses him. I really, like, I think that's supposed to be a sweet moment, but I really don't care. It was obvious that it was going to happen, and I'm a little, what, what is, what is that face? Do you care? Also across the room, Devin has bought Ellie um, a couple of calla lilies um, as a reference to the time that they broke up, um, which is, I'm sure, a great memory for everyone. I'm really happy that no one in this household has cats or dogs, although I am a little worried about baby Clara because calla lilies are very poisonous. (laughs) Very poisonous. Don't forget. Um, we're treated to like a soundless scene that just kind of proves that Zachary Levi is good with kids. He's just playing with little Molly um, as everyone looks on and is impressed. Sarah expresses that she's actually okay with surprises because she's been pretty surprised with how her life turned out. We cut back to one final black and white flashback where Sarah meets Graham face to face and he says that he's happy that she'll be remaining with the CIA because sometimes after the kind of trying experience that Sarah had, they lose agents. Sarah says that they're never going to lose her, but she might be done with handlers. Graham agrees and says that it might be time for her to become a handler. In fact, he's going to assign her a new mission. He hands her a folder, she opens it up, and whose face is smiling out at her but season one Chuck. This is a nice moment, but it it does kind of mess with the continuity because, like, was she dating Bryce while the baby stuff was happening? (laughs) Like, she clearly had someone in her life, like a very important relationship that kind of defined her experience for several years. And then to make it even more confusing, we didn't really talk about it, but the actor that plays Riker, his name is um, Tim Decay. Tim uh, Decay, one of his other well-known roles is in White Collar, which stars <gasps> uh, Matthew Bomber. That's crazy. And not apparently Suits. <laughs> Maybe he's also in Suits. This entire time, I legitimately <laughs> thought Matt Bomber was in Suits. No, nope. He's not. He's in White, White Collar, collar. Yep. which all of the promotional photos for still have him wearing a suit, a very nice suit, but it's not it's a suit, yeah. It's not all it's about the suit. It's just, just about the collar. That's all we're talking about. So our final scene of the episode is taking place in Chuck and Sarah's dream house. 
Sarah expresses to Chuck that despite what he said at the beginning of the episode, she actually doesn't want to go back to the CIA because she's done with that life. She's different now. Chuck is a little disappointed because it means they won't be able to afford the house, but he eventually agrees that all they need is each other. They head back over to that door frame that Chuck mentioned before, and Sarah takes the opportunity to carve their names into it because one day the house will be theirs. And I have to say, this is why, as a realtor, you don't let random people in houses unsupervised. They're going to deface the property and lower its resale value. (laughs) It's not a sweet moment. I I have more to say on it coming up. Okay, well, that's the end of the episode. So let's head on into that more to say. All right, perfect. Uh, So that will start with Chuck, Mary, Kill, where we take one part of this episode that we'd like to marry and uh, buy a house for. And then another part of this episode that we want to kill by uh, stabbing it slowly through the chest. (laughs) Aaron, what would you like to marry? I'm going to marry, this has been a staple of season five. I feel like one of us has had it almost every week so far. Um, This is Yvonne's performance. (laughs) Based on the thumbs up you just gave me, I feel you might have a similar Mary. (laughs) Another double thumbs up. Um, Like I mentioned before, I really think she is carrying this episode. This episode is very Sarah-centric and would not work if not for her. And it's fairly um for for something about um the well-being of a child and like sarah's uh past trauma this episode is very light and doesn't really have a lot going on i think we're back into the issue that um we didn't have last week where because this is um a villain that we've never seen before there's really no levity to it um but the only reason that it was like even felt like it had any levity at all is just because um, the emotion that Yvonne was bringing to it was so palpable. Um, we've never met her mom before, but I was like able to feel like a actual connection between both of them because Sarah was playing it so well. Um, Chuck didn't like really nobody had a lot to do in this episode, um, but like Yvonne really sold it, and so that is that is my Mary. And it's really the only thing I liked. Just just throwing that out there. Uh I also would like to marry Yvonne's performing performance this week. Uh basically for all the reasons that Aaron said. I thought that we got to see uh Sarah as a character in some different situations than we've seen her previously, and it was very uh emotional because Sarah's or Yvonne's juggling uh you know, flashbacks to the past, but also dealing with the present and Sarah's mom's there, this little girl. So there's a lot of, um, a lot going on for the character. I appreciate that was a Sarah forward episode. I thought that Yvonne, as always did an awesome job and was definitely the highlight of the episode. If she was not the actress that she is, this episode probably would have fallen a lot flatter and not been, um, not been, uh, what it is currently. So that is, that is how I feel. That is how both of us feel. We want to marry Yvonne's acting yet again. Aaron, what would what would you like to kill? Um, I have a feeling I know where uh, your kill is going to go. Oh. Um, 
well, just just based on what you were saying before, I don't. I could be wrong. Now I'm now I'm a little nervous. Um, but I I have kind of a a simple one. Just um, I wasn't really into Ellie and Devin's bad attitude about game night. I, <laughs> I think like if you're if you agree to play board games with your friends, you better fucking sit down and do it and not be just whispering to each other about having sex all night. Like you, that's not what game night's about, and it's rude. This seems to be coming from a, a much deeper place than most of your kills come from. This seems like something you have personal experience with. All right. Well, that'll be our bonus episode. We'll talk about my personal experiences with game nights. But then why did Ellie and Devin agree to have a game night with a couple that's broken up? I don't know. They thought, I well, I mean, to be fair, they're like, I thought things were better between them. And I was like, as the viewer, I also thought things were better, but I guess they're not. So what's going on? Who knows? I mean, it's an awkward situation for them, for sure. Yeah. But they could have had better attitudes about it. That's all I'm saying. My kill is uh, why did the writers think it would be okay for Chuck and Sarah to carve their names into a house that they do not own and is actively on sale? I get that it's supposed to be cute, but we're supposed to believe that both characters feel good about doing this. The realtor <laughs> let them have access temporarily for a house that they do not own for some reason. And they thank this realtor by defiling the house. They can't even pretend like it was there beforehand or that it wasn't them. They literally were the only people in the house this weekend and they carved their own names deep into the wall. Like a couple, yeah. of, like a couple of 14 year olds being like, yeah. We're going to be together forever. Ooh, let's carve our names into the, the cafeteria table or whatever. And also, like, assuming that the house sells to someone else, because Chuck and Sarah can't afford the house currently, the new owners will be upset about this, but then they'll just fix it. They'll remove the names. So Sarah being like, oh, we're, like, staking our claim on this house. They're gonna Our names are going to be here forever. No, they're not. They're going to be removed almost immediately. And... I just thought this was a very weird, borderline, unbelievable way <laughs> to, like to end the episode. And it was just a weird choice that took me out of a very you know sweet, emotional moment. I was like, what? And then it just fades to black. And I was like, what? Where did that come from? So I thought that they could have had the exact same dialogue without carving their names into the house was just a very weird choice. And I know that you feel the same way. Yeah, well, um, what what it seems like you're saying is that if they really wanted to stake a claim on the house, they should have peed on it. You heard it here first. That is what Chris said. That's not More what I'm peeing <laughs> on things in Chuck. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. <laughs> However, I will I to add to that. It would at least be an easier to fix and or temporary uh, marking of you know because you can clean up a little bit of urine a little bit easier <laughs> than you can replace an entire like you know, window, not window pane, but wall thing, whatever, door frame. Yeah, that's, that is that is the correct term, yes. Yeah, it was weird. It was a weird choice. Um, I'm at least glad that I thought the episode was going to for sure have some sort of cliffhanger. I'm happy that it ended on that moment because at least it was done. Um, but I would have liked a scene where the realtor shows up the next morning and says, what, what, what the hell, guys? And there's a line at the beginning of the episode that Chuck says that the realtor has a crush on him. So oh, yeah. does he think that he can get away with this because he'll be like, oh, sorry, babe. Like, and she'll be sorry, like, oh. babe, I wrote another woman's name on the wall. 
I I don't I don't want to dwell on this, but I am very curious to see what you are going to give this episode on the scooter scale. How many corn dogs? I feel like you could be kind of all over the place. I'm not really sure what you're going to say. So uh, let's let's see what you're cooking up. All right, let's do it. Um, I have to be very clear that this is my first score that has ever had punctuation other than a period in it. Um, cause like you, you do have like a decimal point. Um, but this time I have not one, not two, not three, but four question marks. Um, and I'm going to come in with two, maybe I, I think I'm going with two, but it's, it's a, it's a questionable two. Sure. Um, I, Mentioned the things I liked about this episode already, which was pretty much only Sarah and the fact that there was a cute baby. Um, that was all that I cared about and felt had um, more of a dynamic uh, plot going on. I didn't care about the villain. Riker was boring and was just a very... Um, the definition of a villain of the week. He's not coming back. He's dead now. Um, so that was, that was a bit of a bummer, but I think the thing that bothered me the most, um, was actually Sarah's arc, which is, it seems like a lot this season, they are kind of bringing back, um, emotional traumas that either Chuck has with, um, with the Bartowski curse or that Ellie has about Shaw killing their dad or that Devin and Ellie have about not being spies. Like they're bringing these things back, but because they haven't been talked about at all, like for over, over a season, it just kind of feels like they're, they're going out of a hat and being like, oh, we never really resolved this one. Oh, we never really resolved this one. It's not, like, satisfying. So, like, I totally believe that Sarah would still have to deal with, like, the repercussions of her upbringing. But since, like, Gary Cole hasn't made an appearance, um, he didn't even come to their wedding, and they haven't, like, talked about him, um, I, like, it just kind of feels like it's coming out of nowhere, and it's kind of disappointing. What about you? Well, I uh, I think I have to go with a four. Wow! <laughs> so I don't I I think your criticism of the episode is valid, and I do think that this episode is kind of a mess in a lot of ways, like the the way that the plot moved forward, but also like technical things like the editing and the set design, and like you know we were making fun of how they reuse the same sets over and over again which just felt very weird this episode. And I noticed some weird editing choices and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think writing wise, having the bug be stuck in Sarah's hair all the way from Europe was just a very like easy way to be like, Oh, Riker knows about the house now or whatever. And it's not even like Sarah didn't even, you know, say her mom's name or where she lives or anything like that. How did he um? How did he get from hungry so fast? Who like, knows? It seems like they would have like at least like nine hours to play with. Right. So it was kind of sloppy overall. I am pleased that we were. You know, we have a Sarah forward episode, uh-huh. and I think that it was pretty revealing about her character and her backstory. Even if that seemed very unprompted and just kind of out of left field, I'm glad that we didn't get too bogged down in Chuck and Sarah's normal dynamic of. Chuck being over controlling and invasive while, um, you know, Sarah is more passive. I mean, there is a little bit of that, but that wasn't exactly where the episode went. So I thought that, the you know, the episode course corrected a little bit with the whole Morgan 
reminding Chuck that Sarah's right about everything usually. And I think they did a good job with Riker as a villain. I know that, you know, he's not, we're not led to believe that he's going to be this big bad guy, you know, in multiple episodes. But I think that um, they made him threatening and despicable enough for this one episode that I, I feel like they don't always do that good of a job with the villains. Mm. But, but the fact that he was so bent on killing this innocent baby and then, uh, you know, she grows up to be a little girl, the, his death I felt was very earned because it was very over, like Sarah stabs him in the chest and then he dies very slowly. Yeah. But I really appreciated that because this guy is like this evil, like son of a yeah, bitch. Yeah, like, kill a child. Yeah, yeah, so you're like, this feels earned and also like it's this specter from Sarah's past that she's finally like, you know, getting rid of. So I thought that the villain this week was actually pretty good compared to other weeks and I thought the dynamic between Ellie and Devin and Morgan and Alex was fun. Um, and of course, I felt warm and fuzzy inside with the the end, you know, party scene. So I have positive feelings for this episode, although I recognize that it is not a good episode. All right. I, I will accept that. Yeah, I um, I remember flashing flashing back to my own black and white memories of uh-huh. when I first saw this episode. I do remember being disappointed um, I think I'm primarily disappointed by what's coming, which is that we do not see Sarah's mother or Molly again. Mm-hmm. Um, I am also just like, in, I I have felt nice that we're not like going into like, oh, Sarah and Chuck need to have a family discussion, like yeah. at least not in a weird way. And then like just bringing in like, ooh, Sarah is baby crazy. Like Shaw's, um, does Chuck know about the baby? Making us think that maybe Sarah had a baby in a previous relationship. Like there, like it was, it was just kind of like leading and felt kind of silly, and I feel kind yeah. of icky about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it wasn't it was not the worst episode of Chuck. It was not like egregious. I just like didn't really uh, connect with it. Mm-hmm. Well, what did you learn this week? I learned um, this is just very episode specific, but I learned that Sarah has a mom like all of us. That's true. She, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, this week, I learned why exactly this show is called How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> Uh, a similar similar theme there. Yeah, we uh, were kind of in sync this time. We're kind of in sync. Uh, <laughs> we don't have all the members of in sync, but we just have some of them. We're just kind we of, of in sync. Yep. We're just kind of. We have we have two fifths. We have Joey Fatone and Chris Kirkpatrick. Are you are you Joey or are you Chris? Well, my name's Chris. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I could be a Joey I think if I so. wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's nice. Okay. Well, uh, I, I guess we got to say bye, bye, bye. Then. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. The comedy Woo! in this episode. We should be <laughs> charging for this one. I can't believe we just post this for free on this the internet. Premium, yeah. I don't think it's going to get much better than that. So I'm going to sign off right away. My name is Chris Gillespie reminding you that food is sexy and to visit uh, AshtonDrake.com slash Coco for your own Coco doll. Support those kind people at Ashton Drake. My name is Erin Arada, letting you know that anything is possible. And also, once again, I promise that whenever announcing a future birth, I will record and release it as an episode of Go Chuck Yourself. I promise. (laughs) But it's not an episode that I am on it with you. You just do it because I manage all of that. So I'm going to be announcing it to you. Like, I'm going to be saying it to you. 
Well, I will not be announcing. I mean, I will be announcing to our listeners, uh, but I will be announcing to you, and then our listeners will hear me say it to you and your reaction. Right. So that's a really fun way of just instilling a ton of anxiety in me for every future episode <laughs> of Go Chuck Yourself. Uh, so no, 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 no. It's not going to be soon. Okay. I mean, God, God willing, it's not going to be soon. Um, it will be again in twenty five years. <laughs> and we will put out an episode of Go Chuck Yourself. Podcasting will probably, podcast will be uploaded directly to people's brains by that point. We'll be in our flying cars, but we will release an episode in which I announce that I am going to be a parent. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. Just kidding. There's going to be, no, there's an episode next week. Don't wait for another 25 years. Please listen to the next episode that's coming out soon. Until then, have a good one. Thanks for listening. As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Go Check Yourself on your preferred podcast platform. New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.